Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been wanting to look at the issue of why the cross. Now, why are we asking this question? Well, first of all, we live in a world today where people are asking that question. They're looking at Christianity. They don't understand it. And they want to know why in the world would we believe that somebody had to go to a cross, die a cruel death, so that you and I could have forgiveness, so that you and I could have eternal life. Why? Why the cross? Why should we go through it? We've got people who are asking that question. We also need to ask that question for ourselves, even if you're a believer here, because sometimes we forget. We take for granted the salvation that has been given to us, and we forget what Jesus went through and why he went through it. We just know that we're saved, we're forgiven, and we kind of go through life like that. We don't really give any thought to it other than the fact that I know I'm going to be with the Lord and there's forgiveness. And so sometimes we have to be reminded to the reality, the fact that we are in need of the cross. So last week we looked at, do you really believe that? We looked at the question. This week we're going to try to go ahead and take it through processes. We're going to take it through steps of what we need to do to understand the cross. So the first one we're going to talk about is consequences. Does everybody know what consequences are? Now, we may know the definition, and we know a little bit about consequences, but the reality is, is in our lives, we don't really consider consequences. What do you mean? We still do the things that we do without any thought to the consequences. Did you understand what I'm saying? We don't really consider that if I do something that's wrong, there might be a, well, not might, there is going to be a consequence, and always that consequence isn't nice. And the reason why we don't really consider it or, or even give thought to it is simply because we're oblivious. And I've got four things I want to point out here about our obliviousness, about our sin and the cross. Number one, we struggle to understand the purpose of the cross. First thing, we're oblivious because we struggle to understand the purpose of the cross. That's the reason for the question, why the cross? That's the reason why you and I have the struggles in our Christian life. We don't truly understand why the cross, or we don't truly understand the implications of that. So we just go on with our life. We, we really don't understand the purpose of the cross. Why did Jesus have to die that type of death? Why such cruelty? And let me just stop for a moment, folks. Crucifixion is probably the most heinous form of execution today. It's still being used today. And the reality is, it is meant to make someone suffer to the point of death. Why did he have to go through that? We struggle with that. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Our struggle reveals a bigger issue. Wait a minute now. What are you saying, George? Well, if you're struggling with the concept of the cross, of Jesus Christ, if you're struggling with the fact that he had to suffer, it's actually revealing a 
bigger issue for you. It's actually revealing that there's something else going on. What do you mean? What is that something else? Well, I'll be honest with you. The bigger issue is, is that you don't understand the consequences of sin. If you want to write that down, write it down. If you are struggling with the cross, it reveals that you don't understand the consequences of sin. See, we think that we can just do whatever. In fact, this is my third point here now. The third point. Man does not recognize the severity of his sin. Man does not recognize the severity of his sin. Here's the thing. Here's the reality. All right, let's just stop for a moment. I want everybody to understand. First of all, everybody recognize we're all sinners here? You sinned today. You sinned yesterday. You knowingly sinned today. You ignorantly sinned today. The essence of who you are is sinful. You're going to sin. You're going to sin without thinking about it. Now, the reality is, is when we sin, we actually have categories of sin because that's we're human, and so we like to categorize things, and we like to think that there are some sins that are meaningless, and then there are some sins that are devastating and would draw the consequences. Now, the problem is, is the Bible, the way God views things, is that all of our sin is devastating. All of our sin results in consequences. But the problem is for you and I as humankind, as mankind, we don't really know the severity of it. We don't even think of any severity of it. Like, for instance, how many of you have ever done this? Phone rings. You tell your kids, if it's so-and-so, tell them I'm not available. You ever done that? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Well, George, that's just a white lie. That's just a little white lie. Just, just, just a little one. Because you, you don't understand. I, if I get on the phone with them, I'm going to be talking to them for an hour, and, and i got too much going on. And You don't understand. It's just... The little white lie. Here's the problem, folks. We look at it and say, okay, yeah, we'll cut you some slack on that one. Because we've all done it, right? But here's the thing. God, in his eyes, all sin is the same. Your sin of telling that person you're not there when you are there is the same as somebody murdering somebody. Because all sin is an affront to God. And see, God has a bigger picture because God knows, listen to me, God knows consequences. You say, what kind of consequence is it for me to tell my child to tell so-and-so I'm not available? There's a lot of consequences because you just communicated to your child it's okay to what? Lie. And that in certain situations, it's okay to do what? Wrong. To sin. See, there's ramifications. You instill value. Sin is always devastating. And the problem is, is we don't recognize that. Why do you think you keep sinning? Some of you here are struggling with the same old sin over and over and over again. And you don't, some of you are, maybe some of you are aware and you want to overcome it, but a lot of you aren't aware because you just think, oh, it's my character flaws. Like, for instance, you know, we used to make excuses for being belligerent. Or we make excuses for being angry. Well, I'm just a redhead. 
or I'm, I'm supposed to be a redhead, but God created me blonde or a brunette. You know, we make excuses. I'm German. No, you're a sinner. Did you understand what I'm saying? Man does not recognize the severity of sin. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the fourth point. When we talk about being oblivious, all sin has devastating consequences. All sin has devastating consequences. Listen, one of the lies that's out there that the enemy will tell you is, oh, it's just your little thing. Nobody else gets hurt. It's just you. This isn't anybody else's problem. This is just you. This is just your thing. The problem is, is I want you to understand, sin always devastates, no matter what it is. Sin will always have consequences. And the consequences, you need to write this down, the consequences are beyond your control. You need to understand that. The consequences are beyond your control. They're beyond my control. You and I can't control the consequences. Once we have opened ourselves up to the reality of a sin, we embrace with that sin all of the consequences. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that is whether or not you are watching something on the internet you shouldn't be watching, or if you're, if you're for the very first time or opening yourself up to a drug or something, you are opening yourself up to a new reality. And that new reality takes control of your life and it has consequences that are devastating. And you can't control those consequences. That's the severity of sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the severity of sin. That's why we have a cross. That's why Jesus went to die. You say, okay, well, George, you know, you're just kind of giving me all of your opinion here. What does the Bible say about it? Because, I mean, you're making sense, but what does the Bible say? Well, let's take a look at what the Bible says. We're going to look at 11 verses today. We're going to look at verses 10 through 20 of chapter 3. It's kind of a summary statement. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, the first part of it, he kind of goes through every people group in the world, And he shows how every people group is condemned because of their sin. And just in case somebody would say, well, I don't fit into those three people groups, he comes to verse 10 of chapter 3, and he comes through verse 20 and points out how everybody, everybody living is a sinner. And we need to understand that there are consequences. So let's look at this passage together, and we're going to talk about the nature of our sin. Look with me at verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They've all, they have together become unprofitable. There is none who does, there is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. Their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty for, before God. Therefore, the deeds of the law, no, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Here's what I want you to see, the nature of our sin. If we're going to understand the cross, next week we're going to take one step further in our understanding of the cross, but if we're going to begin to understand why Jesus had to die the death that he did, you need to understand your sin. Here's the first thing. Number one, the essence of who we are is wicked. The essence of who we are is wicked. Now let me just stop. As soon as I say that, I know that I'm going to get some pushback from somebody here. You may not verbalize that, but you're going to mentally say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, George. Hold on a second. I don't agree with you. I understand that. Because we live in a culture, we live in a culture that basically says that everyone is what? Good. Everyone is good. Everyone's born good. Everyone is good. And so, therefore, it's because of their environment or it's because of their training that they do bad. Have you ever heard that one? Actually, I read an article recently. It was a writer from the New York Times talking about he was trying to understand the election, and he realized that there are two different viewpoints in, in the United States, and it's not Democrat and Republican. That's not what he was writing about. He said it's two different viewpoints of how people see people. One viewpoint is, is that people see people as being bad and that they'll do bad. The other viewpoint is that everybody thinks everybody's good and it's just that they're a product of their environment. And that's why we have what we have going on today. Well, let me explain to you. The Bible comes right out and says to you in this passage, look, the essence of who you are is wicked. You're wicked. You were born wicked. I was born wicked. What do you mean, George? I still don't believe you. Look, stop for a moment. I have four kids. Now, they're older now. But when they were wee little and learning to walk and learning to talk, and, and, it's, and you know, when we had Maddie, it was just Maddie, but when we had Foster... Nobody taught Maddie to be mean to Foster. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody taught her that. We didn't have, Lori didn't take her aside and say, this is how you swat him. This is how to be selfish. Mine! Did you, nobody, did you teach your kids that? Where did that come from? We're wicked. We were born corrupted by sin. This is what Paul's saying. You've got to understand. You need to understand, if we're going to grasp the reality of the cross, you need to understand that the essence of who we are is wicked and sinful. Bottom line, that's the first thing he says there. Look with me. I'll just point it out to you here in the Scripture. Notice what he says. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They've altogether become unprofitable. There is no one who does good, not one. You say, well, wait a minute, Jordan. I, I, you, uh, 
I am perfect. I don't do anything wrong. Really? Here's how evil we are. The scripture will teach us that even our motives in doing good may be bad. Can I say that again? Even our motives in doing good may be bad. What do you mean? Well, you know, I've been married to this lady now 24 years. She's gotten wise to me, okay? And and so there are times when I know how I normally am around the house, but if I all of a sudden start cleaning up stuff and doing work projects out and out, she's going to ask me, what do you want? Why? Because she recognizes that in my doing good that there is an ulterior what? Motive. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is my point to you. The essence of who we are is wicked. Now, here's the second point I want you to see. That wickedness is reflected in our speech and actions. That wickedness is reflected in our speech and actions. Look at what he says here. Their throats an open tomb. What in the world is he saying there? My throat is an open grave? No, no, what he's talking about is that the essence of what comes out of our mouth is death. We're speaking concepts of death to people. Their throats is an open tomb. They, they have, their tongues they have practiced to see. Lying. Remember we talked about the little white lies? We lie. Let's go on. Their throats an open tomb. We, with their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Folks, you ever been dressed down by somebody and it wasn't nice? It was hard. It was just plain wicked what they said. That's the poison of asps. Let's go on. Whose mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Now, I don't even need to describe that. I think we all know what that one is, right? Their feet is swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The the, the way of peace is not known to them. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Reality. Listen, that wickedness that is the essence of who we are comes out. It comes out. We excuse it away and say, oh, I must have just had a bad hair day. If he hadn't have provoked me, if he hadn't have pushed my button, if he hadn't got me started... Sometimes you need to understand you got to put your foot down. The reality is, is we make excuses for the reality of who we are. Look, we are wicked, and out of our wickedness comes what? Sin. In our speech and in our actions. Out of our wickedness comes sin. But here's what I want you to notice now. Look with me at verse 19. We like to make excuses, right? I mean, listen, seriously, we like to make excuses, right? Because I can, I can, I can think of moments when my mama and daddy confronted me. I, I, I can never think of a time when I said, Oh, I was caught red-handed, dad. I did it. No, I never did that. I always did. Well, it was because of my brother. 
or it was because of that coach or that teacher that it wasn't my fault that I had the accident, that other guy. We make excuses, right? That's what we do about our stuff, right? Listen to what verse 19 says. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and the world may become guilty before God. Here's what he's saying. Here's the point. There are no excuses. When it comes to God, there are no excuses. Look, you and I could do the excuse thing and may work with other people. It doesn't work with God. We're guilty. We're wicked. We do wrong. And there's no excuses. Listen, one day when we appear before Jesus, and if you want to understand what that's going to be like, go all the way to the book of Revelation. Chapter 20. There isn't going to be the but God thing. But God, you don't understand. But God, you don't understand. He understands everything. There are no excuses. We've done wrong. Here's the final point. This is what it says in verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Here's the sad reality, but here is the first step to understanding the cross. We just went through all of this to bring us to this point to understand the first step in understanding the cross. Here's the point. We can't change anything about our situation. You want to know why there was a cross? You want to know why Jesus had to die the way he had to die? Well, the first step, and there are going to be many steps to understanding the cross, the first step to understanding the cross is to recognize that I am wicked, I sin, I sin against God, there's no excuse for it, And here's the other point. I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. Here, let me bring it down to a practical level that everybody can understand what I'm talking about. I want you to think for a moment about the relationships in your life. Some of you are younger, so you only got a few years. Some of us who are older, we got to work through a whole lot of years, okay? But in those whole lot of years or those short years, I want you to think about for a moment a relationship that you had with somebody. And then you did something. You made a mistake. Or you intentionally did something, and it destroyed that relationship. And it ended that relationship. That person didn't want to have nothing to do with you anymore again. You know what I'm talking about? And no matter what you tried to do, no matter the effort that you were trying to make in that area to make it right again, it always failed. There was nothing that you could do to make it right again. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm thinking? And even now, you probably have regrets from that relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't do anything about it. Even to this day, there's nothing you can do about it. It's ruined. It's gone. You wish it was back. You ru- That's what we're talking about here, folks. 
Our sin ruined a good thing. It ruined a relationship with God. And there is nothing, nothing we can do to change the situation. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. That's the first reason to understand the cross. It's because we couldn't change our situation. Aren't you glad for that? If you go down a few more verses, here's what I want you to see. Verse 23, Paul says this, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. If you go over a couple of chapters, three more chapters to chapter 6, if you go to verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the reality. That's why the cross, the the wages of my sin is death. It's consequences. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in who? Jesus Christ. Why? Because he died on the cross for you and I. Here's two things I want you to think about. Number one, you need to pay attention to your sin. You need to pay attention to your sin. You know, I told you, we sin ignorantly, we sin willfully. We are sinning machines. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't need to be taught to sin. You just sin. It's going to happen. You try to pull out of here, you go to the the picnic, somebody's going to cut you off, you're going to want to say something, you're going to want to do some kind of arm motion, you're going to have an attitude, do you know what I'm saying? And you're going to sin. And you're like, well, I just, we just had a message. I didn't want to do that. No, but something provoked you. You need to pay attention to your sin. Now, why am I asking you to do that? Because some of you here might say, well, you know what, George? I'm forgiven. I know Jesus. I'm okay. Why do I need to worry about that? You need to worry about it because here's the thing. When you start to recognize that you're a sinner. You begin to appreciate even more what Jesus did for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you begin to recognize that you're a sinner, you begin to recognize more what Jesus did for you. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Recognize that only God can deal with your sin. Recognize that only God can deal with it. Some of you are struggling with the same things over and over again. You've got to recognize that God's the only one who's going to help you through it. Isn't that what we talk about in the 12-step programs? About the higher power? Well, you know, we don't need to use ambiguous terms in church. We can just say it like it is. You need Jesus. And he can help you. In fact, through the cross, we're going to see the result of the cross later on. Through the cross, you now have victory over the sin. You now can say no to sin. But you've got to recognize that only God can deal with your sin. 
thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.